Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Dark Lord Reapers United States of Anarchy podcast. Who am I? I'm the man without a plan, the Dark Lord himself, the Nightmare King, giving you unapologetic truth, facts, and hardcore reality. If you don't like what I have to say, two words, don't listen. While you're at it, boycott my social media, boycott this podcast, boycott anything that has my name attached to it. If you're looking for celebrity gossip, this is not the podcast for you. This podcast is for real topics about real situations with real people. First and foremost, I would like to say Happy New Year! We made it to 2020. 2019 has been a long year. A good year for me, not so much for others, but I wish everybody New Year, new clean slate, everything. So, I know this episode is long overdue. So, you saw the title. Probably my most anticipated episode. I've been teasing it for since I started this podcast. So, without further ado, we are going to get into the 45th president, Donald Trump, the first four years as president. Now, we have a lot to cover, so buckle up, hold on tight, because this is going to be a two-part episode, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to go over the first two years in this episode. When we come back, we we cover chapter one. And we're back. So we are talking President Trump, the first four years as president. So we're going to start off this journey with part one of his story. His announcement of running for president. Now, I'm going to be bluntly honest here. When he first announced that he was running for president in 2016, I laughed hysterically. I wasn't the only one that laughed. A lot of people laughed. Which brings me to the title of this segment. When someone tells you you can't do something, the next time someone says that you cannot do something, look at the 45th president. Everybody and their mother laughed at him and said he doesn't. he's not going to win. Well, the joke was on us, wasn't it? But let's talk more about how he did it. He came in like Miley Cyrus' song, A Wrecking Ball. He blew every other Republican candidate out of the water. But he didn't do it in the traditional way, though. He came in using scapegoating and fear-mongering. And a lot of his campaign promises were hair-scratchers. But let's talk about how he fear-mongered. He singled out a group of people a group, an ethnic group of people and labeled them as rapists, drug dealers, bringing crime into our country. And the methods in which he used to create his base sounded awfully familiar, like a certain person who started the Nazi party. And it was, and it's amazing that he's a prime example of He who does not learn from history is doomed to repeat it. And he raised so many eyebrows and single-handedly turned the presidential camp, presidential election process into a three-ring circus, into a publicity stunt, if you want to be honest with you. But let's focus on the facts. All types of things came up while he was running for president. All types of things. Not only did he fearmonger, he bullied the other candidates. One of the front runners, Ted Cruz, he nicknamed him Lying Ted Cruz. That's what he would call, he called him Lying Ted Cruz. He even went as far as to call Dr. Ben Carson who was running for president. He nicknamed he called Dr. Ben Carson a pedophile. Honestly, now I'm going to deviate from talking about the facts to my personal opinion. Ben Carson was one of my heroes growing up. I looked up to Ben Carson. I had the utmost respect for him, considering all he's been through. And to let someone like Donald Trump call him one of the most despicable things you could be in this world. And Ben Carson did not put hands on him. 
I'm sorry, I'd have slapped the taste out of Donald Trump's mouth. That's what, That would have gotten me disqualified from the race. Because I'd have slapped the taste out of Donald Trump's mouth if he'd have said that about me. But back to the facts. He basically... He got into a how, how he got the overall nomination. He didn't talk about the facts. He didn't talk about what was wrong with the country. He mudslinged and shamed and got into a tit for tat with all of the other Republican candidates. And he took a few shots at the Democratic candidates, which we will go over in the next segment. But it was amazing. And his slogan was Make America Great Again. And to this day, I want to know exactly what he meant by make America great again. Because from where I'm sitting, he misspelled the word great with a four-letter word called hate. When we come back, we're going to talk more about his presidential campaign. And we're back. So we are talking President Trump, the first four years as president. So this is the subtitle, the subpart of part one, his presidential campaign, an announcement. What went on in detail during his campaign in 2016? His words, make America great again, and him fear-mongering and race-baiting indirectly, I will add, indirectly, basically inspired all kinds of people undesirables of American society if you will, to come out of the woodwork and rate and wave their swastika and confederate flags high it got to the point people of color were being attacked at his rallies he even went as far as to say at one of his rallies that if it was the good old days that you know it was the good old days so I wonder what he meant by the good old days in fact he would have certain people mostly people of color thrown out of his rallies and he said and he would say if you put hands on these people I will pay your bail so he was sanctioning violence at his camp at his rallies all the while still mudslinging his presidential candidate rivals as well as people on the Democratic side particularly at the time presidential hopeful Hillary Clinton and every person that he went after the first name he would call them is a liar it's funny but his campaign wasn't without him getting some of the controversy he did an interview on Extra and the audio from when the mic was still on him was leaked. And he made a very derogatory remark and, dare I say, taboo remark to the interviewer where he says that he basically can do whatever he want with women, including grabbing them by their genitalia. This sparked outrage. But... He was able to shrug it off, and that guy, the person who leaked the foot, who leaked the audio, was fired. Rightfully so, because that was a personal conversation. That was an off-the-record conversation, whether we like it or not. Even though what he said was dead wrong, and it says the wrong message. But he has always made it from, known from public day one that he's very misogynistic. So, him saying things like that not surprising but back to his presidential campaign and his promises he wanted to build a wall around Mexico he wanted to get get the Affordable Care Act aka Obamacare off the books slash the budget for public assistance food stamps welfare what have you Make America great again. He said that he'll be getting the best deals for America. So after he had bullied all of his other candidates out of the water, the running, it's not not even so much bullying. I take that back. Part of it was to the bullying. The other part is because 
he was able to finance his own campaign because he's a millionaire. He was able to promote and tour at a level that his his fellow candidates could not compete because they were depending on donations from boosters and so on and so forth. So he was able to promote way more. So the Republican Party had no choice but to give him the nomination. And who was his opponent? You guessed it. Good old Hillary Clinton. And it got to a muddy slugfest. But more on side note from Hillary Clinton, on Hillary Clinton. Originally, Bernie Sanders was supposed to get the nomination because he had he won the popular vote, but Hillary Clinton somehow got the nomination. I still don't understand that. I still don't understand why. When we come back, we're going to talk about the moment that shocked America that we all did not see coming. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. So we are talking Trump. The first four years of his presidency. And this is officially now chapter two. The runoff. Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump. Now this is the part of the story that took so much twists and turns. And it basically... It basically became a slugfest, ladies and gentlemen. Excuse me for that. Um, People are having conversations in the background. Let me just close the door. Yes. So, I want you to keep in mind something. This is on the record. Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, her husband, former president, Bill Clinton, and Donald Trump were friends before this. They used to hang out together. They have various pictures and various, um, um, what you call it, public appearances together. So it was interesting to see them compete with each other and go at each other for the presidency of the United States. It was a very interesting thing, ladies and gentlemen. And Hillary Clinton, for the most part, took the high road in terms of her campaign but Donald Trump did in fact during the campaign when Hillary Clinton got the Democratic nomination to go up against him for the presidency of the United States all types of propaganda came out about her the same way propaganda came out about Trump some true some untrue I'll let you the audience decide which is which But, it even got to the point where the FBI was investigating her via information about emails that she sent to a fellow Democrat, his name escapes me at the moment, who was involved in a case of pedophilia. And it got to the point where things was so bad, so bad that it wasn't even about the issues and what they plan on doing for America. It was about mudsling for mudsling, shame for shame, bad for bad. Which brings me to the day in question that I thought was not going to happen. I'm still waiting for Ashton Kutcher to jump out of from the bush and say, hey guys, Donald Trump isn't really president. You've been punked. But it hasn't happened yet. So, the day of the election, the big day, everyone thought Hillary Clinton had this in the bag. We were wrong. The Electoral College, the same Electoral College, which I will do a separate episode on, because a lot of people don't understand how Electoral College works, but Donald Trump originally was speaking out against the Electoral College. And got her. And it was the same electoral college that got him the presidential win. 
He is, and that's something you, I'm pretty sure by now you've noticed. Donald Trump is the type of person. Wait, hold on. I'll save that for my final thoughts. I'll save that part for the final thoughts. But anyway, so the thing that we thought that would not happen, happened. Hillary Clinton lost to Donald Trump in an election. Whew. I didn't see that coming, ladies and gentlemen. America didn't see this coming. But the people, his hardcore supporters, aka far right wings, the alt-right movement, all these people, yeah, they made it happen. They came out the woodwork. I'm going to explain to you why. Because a lot of these people are the people that work at the factories, that worked at the coal mines. So they felt forgotten. The unions, they felt forgotten and screwed over by the Democratic Party. Not only that, the main reason why they voted for Trump is because for eight long years, they had to bow and salute a black man. You guessed it, the 44th president of the United States, Donald Trump's predecessor. The same predecessor that he disrespected for four of the eight years that that Obama was in office. So... The day in question happened. He was officially the president-elect. I couldn't believe it. Most people that I associate myself with couldn't believe it. But it happened. No one saw this coming. None of us saw this coming. We thought Hillary Clinton had it in the bag. But a lot of people didn't want to vote for Hillary Clinton because of her past policies. And a lot of people said that they could not connect with her. But that's their opinion. So when we get back, we're going to discuss the presidential inauguration and 2017, the first couple of things he did. And we're back. So we are talking Donald Trump the first four years as president in a two-part episode. So we are up to chapter three, the inauguration and the first hundred days. Now, let me be clear about how he won the election. He lost the popular vote by three million votes. He lost the popular vote, but he won. But he won via the electoral college, 304 to 227. And here's the thing, he had just, not too long ago, during his campaign, said such horrible thing about the Electoral College, which he's right, which he was right about, getting rid of it, but he loved it once it benefited him. But that's neither here nor there. So January 20th, 2017, he was officially sworn in as our 45th President of the United States of America. Only to be, only to be the, pre- the successor to the 44th president, Mr. Barack Hussein Obama. Hit the 44th, a true class act from the beginning to the very end. The same president, Obama, that Donald Trump, before he even got into office, had so much pleasant things to say about. And when I mean pleasant, he had the most disrespectful and degrading things to say about both him and the first lady, the former first lady, Michelle Obama. But that's near here or there. That's more so opinion. Let's stick to the facts. Even though amongst his base, about his base, his popularity and approval at the time was about 96%, overall, he had the lowest approval rate in history as a president in 2007. His approval rate was 40 to 42 percent. That's scary. Now, let's get into what he did within his first 100 days as president. This was between January and April of 2017. 2017. So this is a three month time period. This is a two month in between those two months. Within that time span, he repealed and got rid of 24 of bills, 24 bills, and 
laws and regulations that was put together by his predecessor, President Obama, for reasons we don't understand. He pulled us out of the clean air, the clean air, um, the clean power program, and got rid of the numerous environmental, environmental healthy programs that were supposed to move America towards using cleaner sources of energy instead of using fossil fuels. I wonder why he did that. I'll leave that up to your opinion. But one thing that was significant that he did, and to this day I still don't understand why he would do such a lowdown thing. One of his campaign promises that he would not stop till he made good on was to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act, a.k.a. Obamacare. Something that was made to benefit both me and you. Why would you take that away? Now, his predecessor, Barack Hussein Obama, the 44th president, who I mentioned before, he actually handled it with class when they asked him about how he felt about what Trump was doing. And Trump called it, he called the Affordable Care Act a joke. He called it, uh, it's horrible. He had all types of negative things to say. He always said he wanted it to implode on itself. Now, I will be the first to admit, the Affordable Care Act was an excellent idea because universal health care is needed. It's important to everyone. So I don't know why he would tamper with it. However, it wasn't perfect. And part of the reason why it was not perfect and not working for everyone is because when the 44th was trying to initially put it into power, people like Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, the same two people who I've mentioned on this podcast, were trying to sabotage it. So when they asked Barack Hussein Obama, the 44th, about how he felt about what Trump was doing, he said, and I quote, he felt no ways. He said he doesn't care who does it better as long as it gets done. So to me, that shows that he is a class act, full of class. So moving on, not only did he want to slash the budget, not, not only did he, the 45th want to slash and get rid of the Affordable Care Act. He wanted to slash the budget to not only just Medicare, Medicaid, sorry, but Medicaid as well as Social Security. Do you guys not see what is what was going on here? And this, he was clearly targeting not just the middle class, but the lower class of society of America because a large a large percentage of people who are on Medicaid who get Medicaid cannot afford to pay a premium um, health insurance and as for Social Security why would you slash that budget people earn that money they worked for that and you want to take their money away? Hmm. But it doesn't stop there. Within his hundred days. He just went on a tear. In fact, one of his promises was to build the wall around Mexico. Because according to him, the quote-unquote Mexicans, they're rapists, they're murderers, they bring drugs, they bring crime into America. Hmm. Well, let me address that. In my final thoughts, when I say that, I'm going to address that in my final thoughts. But his first hundred days were interesting. He signed more bills. The only person that have, the only other president has signed more bills than him is the in within a hundred days is President Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, if you would, the guy who had the big stick um, policy. If you guys are are history buffs like myself. So that was a brief little, that was part one, chapter three, part one of 
the first hundred days as president. When we come back, I'm going to give you part two of chapter three, his first hundred days, because people, so many things have happened when we come back. And we're back. So we are discussing President Trump, the first four years. So this is chapter three, part two of the first hundred days as president. Now, we've covered all the laws and all the things that he's repealed and sabotaged and replaced. But I forgot to cover one essential part of being a president. You have to set up your cabinet. You have to set up your 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 board, your administration, because a president is not a the president cannot be a president without a board, um, administration and a cabinet, because that's when it becomes a dictatorship and a monarchy. We live in a democracy. So, let's go over the people that he announced February eighth. Um, honestly. Let me take that back. I'm not exactly sure when he officially announced his full cabinet of the people that he nominated to be in his cabinet. But before we do that, he removed the chair of Council of Economic Advisors because they were from the previous administration. No surprise there. So let's go over the, 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 the thing. Go over the administration. So, part chapter 3, part 2 will be entitled, The President's Candidates Slash The Revolving Door. We'll get to that subtitle in a second. But let's go over the names. Secretary of State, Rex Tylerson, Treasurer, Stephen Munchen, Secretary of Defense, James Mattis, The Interior, Ryan Zecker, I'm not sure I pronounced that right, Secretary of Agriculture, Sonim Purdue, I'm butchering these names. Secretary of Commerce, Walbert Ross. Secretary of Labor, one second. Secretary of Labor, the original Secretary of Labor, was Edward C. Huger. Um, Health Human Service, HSS, was Tom Price. Housing and Urban Development, HUD, if you will, was headed up by once political rival, Ben Carson. Now, Ben Carson. I was actually disappointed with that nomination, and I'll explain to you why I felt that nomination for HUD was a slap in the face to Ben Carson. But moving on. For Transit, you had Ellen Duno. For Energy, Ricky Perry. Education, Betsy DeVos, Homeland Security, John Kelly, the head of the CIA, Mike Pompeo, the EPA, Scott Pernant, Small Business Administration, Linda McMahon, wife of Vince McMahon, owner of WWE, no surprise there, considering that they're all good buddies, Management and Budget, Mick Mulavani, UN Ambassador, Nikki R. Haley, Director of National Intelligence, Dan Coase, and last but not least, the former head of ICE, Thomas Holman. Now, now that I've gone over the names of the original names of the people that were in cabinet, I'm not 100% sure because... The reason I said the subtitle, we're about to get into the subtitle, The Revolving Door. Donald Trump, President Trump, if you will, has the highest turnover rate in the White House in record history. So many people have either been fired or they resigned for one reason or another. Now, the Secretary of Defense was voted in 98 to 1. Homeland Security was voted in 98 to 11. 89 to 11. 89, 88 to 11. I'm not really sure about that number. Don't quote me on that. But let me give you an example of 
how high of a turnover rate it has. The Department of Labor originally started off with Edward E. H- Edward C. Huger. He was head of the Department of Labor from January 17th to April April 17th. So he was basically there two months before he was before he before I believe he was let go. And appointed there was Alex Acosta. That name may sound familiar. I mentioned him on one of my more popular podcasts. He had to step down. He was there from April 17 to July of 2019. So he actually got a year on the job, but had to stop had to step down because of the controversy surrounding him and his decision to let that creep, you know who, Jeff Jeffrey Epstein only spend a year in jail. So I guess to avoid the scandal at the White House, he decided to step down. And to replace him was Patrick Pizaria, the interim head of the Department of Labor. And he was there from July 19 to December. And he was just the interim till Donald Trump appointed the current head of the Department of Labor, Eugene Scala. Huh, what a kick in the nuts. Wouldn't you agree? Now, I was always taught that any place of employment that has a high turnover rate, especially when it comes to big offices, watch out. Because people don't leave jobs. People don't leave good jobs. People leave because of poor management. People leave because of poor poor leadership. People leave because of um, non-pay of they're not being paid their worth. It is on record that some people have said they have left the White House because Trump, President Trump, his lack of maturity handling things. But we still have more to cover, people. All of this happened in 2017. We still have to go over 2018. It was an interesting year for me, and it was an interesting year for a lot of people. When we come back, we're going to talk about the legal stuff that happened to Trump. And we're back. So, this is the first four years of Trump. We are still in 2017, people. We haven't even touched 2018 yet. So, let's go over some of Trump's legal battles. So, upon Trump, while Trump was running for a campaign, this was 2016 now, while he was still on the campaign trail, it was rumored, but never confirmed, that Russia had interfered in in the American, um, in America's election pro- electoral process. Now, the word collusion, I had never even heard that word before Trump said it. And he said it every chance he got. There's no collusion with Russia. There's no collusion. There's no collusion. He even coined the phrase, like I mentioned earlier, fake news. And that's very dangerous for him to be saying fake news. The reason why it's dangerous I'm deviating from the facts for a second to give my opinion. But actually, this is a fact. It's like, basically, what he's doing when he says fake news is like the boy that cried wolf. Eventually, one day, the boy cried wolf. No one believed him, but there really was a wolf. So no one came to help him. It's the same thing. Trump says fake news so much and his base believes him to the point where something serious is going to happen. He's going to say fake news. And no one's going to believe that really happened. And it will, it's going to cost people lives. It's going to cost a serious section. Now back to what we were talking about with his legal problems. With the um, uh, collusion. It got to the point where uh, the FBI opened an investigation which came about 
which came down to a phase that we waited a whole year for, called the Mueller Report. And the surprise and the um, uh, results were, yeah, I don't know why we expected that to happen. But we'll get to that. We'll touch on that part two of Trump the first four years. We're dealing with part one, ladies and gentlemen. So, with all his with all the rumors and accusations surrounding him, and then he also was going back and forth with the, the Democratic Party. It's also it's basic it's also on record that a lot of the Democrats have switched sides and became Republican, and you have Republicans that have switched sides and become Democrat because they cannot get behind what Trump is doing. Now, here's the sweet part. Here's Well, not the sweet part, but here's the funny thing about his legal problems. Before he was even running, he was even swore, officially sworn in, people were asking about his taxes because he made a statement on the campaign trail asking, when people asked him about taxes, he says, I don't pay ta- I'm smart because I don't pay taxes, quote unquote. He said, and I quote, I'm smart because I don't pay taxes. <laughs> so people were say, were demanding for him to show his taxes before he officially got the, nom- the um, Republican nomination to run for president. And he has said, he was on court, he's on record saying, I'll show my taxes after the election. Up to this day, we have not seen his taxes. Now, last time I checked, if you don't pay your taxes, you're supposed to go to prison. But once again, I'll save that for my final thoughts. <laughs> so, within the 100 days, he also talked about one of his campaign promises was to work on better trade deals. Now, I'll be the first to admit, America is supposed to be a world power. But some of the trades that we're getting isn't all that good because we see the jobs going out but we're not seeing the jobs going in now i'm not blaming donald trump this has been a problem in terms of jobs going overseas long before both obama and trump even came into office so blaming them is is not so they are not to blame because they didn't sign off on that but trump decided to get America involved in a trade war with China. Now, I'm going to do a separate episode on that country because they're slowly becoming a world power and America has helped them because we sent all our our jobs over there. They can afford to colonize smaller countries. But that's not what this... But we're not here to talk about them. We're focusing on Trump the first four years. So... In March of 2018, we officially got to 2018, finally, Donald Trump decided to put ter- put serious tariffs on, um, on China. Now, when we come back, we're finally going to be into Chapter 4, Part 2, the tariffs. And we're back. So now we are officially in chapter four, part two, the tariffs and trade deals abroad. Now, in March, March 22nd, 2018, we're finally out of 2017 because I'm sure more things happened in 2017, but we're going to focus on 18 for a second because this is a big deal, ladies and gentlemen. Donald Trump decided to put big tariffs on China. In fact, the tariffs on China, he put on them, it jumped from 5% to 10%. So China decided to retaliate because Trump wanted to instigate a trade war for some reason. I don't know why. Now, what are tariffs? Tariffs 
are really big are heavy taxes that come that are put on imported goods. Basically, to sum it up, ladies and gentlemen, let's say me and my best friend Bob are gonna trade our toys, right? Let me keep it simple. We're trading toys. His toys are valued at say give you a round number ten dollars a piece right so i decide since you're gonna trade them to me i'm gonna charge you 25 cent originally the original price was to charge him 25 cents for each toy that he decides to trade with me what trump decided now because i'm in my feelings because he won't give me equal to the toys i'm trading him I raise that 25 cents to, to 75 cents. So that's what Trump did. So China decided to respond with tariffs of their own. And it would have ended badly. But Trump said the tariffs would have been imposed due to Chinese theft of U.S. intelligence property. Whether that's true or not, we will never know. You and I will never know. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk about Chapter 5. We're going to jump back to 2017 for a second. Because of something that Trump wanted to do. And I need to talk about a certain area in which we're going to touch. So, now we are at chapter 5, even though I should have mentioned this earlier. So, Donald Trump decided to put a lockout. When he said America first, he was not joking. He wanted to ban immigration and travel from majority Muslim Islamic countries and some African countries and shortly after Rose the agency that we all know love and hate if you are of immigrants if you are uh, if you are ch- the child of immigrants or you are immigrant the, Im- the agency you have learned to hate ICE now Trump was on record talking about calling most of these countries, including Haiti, called it shithole countries, called these countries shitholes. Those were his exact words. Now, a lot of these people aren't coming to this country because of finances. They're not coming here because of 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 lack of wealth. Most of these people are coming here because they're running for their lives, because their country their current country is overrun with crime and war and all kinds of unspeakable things that we here in America cannot fathom. What he said was very insensitive. And some people would say that what he did with those travel bans and immigration bans was racially motivated because he said he wanted more people to come from predominantly European countries that happened to be of Caucasian descent. So, what was his motivation for doing that? So, now that I've covered Chapter 5, we did the first two years of the major things Trump did. The major stuff. I think now I can give you guys my final thoughts. And we're back. So this is chapter five, part two, the rise of ice and the Muslim ban. I know I said I would give my final thoughts, but so much went down when he did this. Now, Trump made it clear from his campaign moves that 
he was not for people of color. And he was going, he was basically making it clear that he was targeting Latinos and Muslims. So he came up with his own agency called ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, headed up by, at the time, Thomas Thomas Holman, who was at the head of ICE from January 30th, 2017 to June 29th, 2018. Gee, wonder why you left, buddy, Mr. Holman. Guess you grew a conscience. Now, ICE is not like INS. INS has been around for since the beginning. They're actually a part of the Constitution. ICE is a new thing. I personally call ICE Donald Trump's war dogs because their methods are downright low down and underhanded. I could tell you some stories. In fact, I believe I had my first guest on the show, Miss Grace. That episode is still up, Immigration in America. And she talked about how her son has been targeted by ICE on three different occasions. And he's a born American citizen. Hmm. Now, here's one story that I know about personally involving ICE. I was going to work one morning because I have the pleasure of working for UPS. And I just got off the train. And there was a bunch of day laborers on the train with me. I see them every morning. So I was going down the steps first to get off the train. And there was a bunch of ICE agents waiting at the bottom of the steps for the waiting for the day laborers to grab them. Now, here's what ICE does. A lot of times they do not ask you for ID. They just assume, they look at you and assume and they throw you in all they throw you in one of their detention centers and where you are not given legal representation and you could be in there for months or years at a time keep that in mind ladies and gentlemen so I quickly turned back around and warned the day laborers to get back on the train because these guys are waiting for them are waiting for them so I walked past them they didn't really ask me anything but they followed me three blocks to my job I had to duck into a building because I thought they were going to kidnap me. That's how low down and underhanded they are. Another story, I saw this on the news and it made me sick to my stomach. There was a seven-year-old girl, seven, there was a seven-year-old girl, yeah, I don't know her, I don't remember her name, but apparently her parents brought her here from Mexico and the poor child suffers from cerebral palsy. Her parents had been detained in an ISIS in an ICE detention center. So she had been on her own for a while. She was in the hospital. The ICE agents waited for her outside of the building for her to be released. And they put her when they when she was released, they put her in one of those vans and took her to the border and released her at the border to go back to Mexico. Now this child is special needs. And they did that to her. How low can you go? How low could you stoop? Breaking up families. Here's another one. There was a mother who had her children here. Her children are born Americans, but she is but she is of Mexican descent. She went to work one day and she saw a flyer when she came home saying they're having a work party and all people should show up. When they got there, when the people got up there to have the party and celebrate the end of the season, it was ICE agents that were waiting for them to detain them. And now her children were left at home wondering where mommy's coming home. Here's another scenario. They set up a fake college for immigrants, for kids who came here to go to school. And when the kids went there for their first day of class at the fake school, it was ICE agents waiting for them. These are the type of underhanded tactics that they are using, ladies and gentlemen. They don't have a warrant with these people's name on it. They're targeting any and everybody. And in the news, Trump tells you, your president, our president, tells us that they're going after criminals. I took a trip to Miami 
that year when ice raids were popular. And I saw a chain gang, a guy's being led to the chain, to the thing, to the plane. So I asked the stewardess, um, where are these guys, what are they doing with those guys? They said, oh, those are people being deported. These are guys, members of MS, who were the scapegoat of Donald Trump's campaign in terms of targeting immigrants. Now, I'm going to be real with you guys. MS-13 has been in America since the 80s, but they only started to make noise in the early 2000s because they finally had the numbers. But when I looked at that line, ladies and gentlemen, I grew up in an area where you know a gang member when you see one. You're trying to tell me a 65-year-old man that can barely walk and barely can keep up, who is tripping over chains that he has been shackled to, is an active gang member and an active shot caller of MS-13? Yeah, I... But here's the thing. With all this talk about going after immigrants, illegal immigration, and all that, I can't help but notice that they don't go into the predominantly Caucasian... Caucasian immigrant neighborhoods and harass them the same way they harass black and latino immigrants yeah i said it a lot of these immigration thing is racially motivated and i will explain why because the simple fact that oh let me back up before i get into that well Yeah, we'll be discussing that in part two. In part two of Trump the first four years. Because his actions have inspired many of racially motivated groups to come out of the woodwork and push their rhetoric and push a line. And I'll break it down to you by the numbers in another episode. But now that we've touched on the rise of ICE and the things that they're doing, and I gave you a little peek behind the curtain. I'm going to give part two of immigration so you people can understand what's going on. Because a lot of people, like myself, who are born American citizens, will never understand how people who are not born American citizens have to live and the things they have to put up with and have to be hunted by groups like ICE, well, agencies. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give you my final thoughts. And we're back. So here are my final thoughts in part one of Trump, the first four years as president. Here are my final thoughts. Donald Trump, a lot of things have happened while he was running for president. Now, his presidency, his campaign and his presidency has actually been a good thing. Hear me out. The reason why I say it's been a good thing, because him running for president and actually winning has exposed everything that is wrong and corrupt with our presidential election process. What was his qualifications? What was his claim to becoming president? The only thing that he had to say is that he was a businessman. A corrupt businessman that comes from old money and he had a big mouth his predecessor didn't not only he didn't just have to be perfect he had to be the perfect black man his predecessor had to be a road scholar his predecessor had to not have any arrest records had to have one wife he had to everything had to be perfect a hair could not be out of place All Trump had to be was rich. Now, to his supporters, a lot of you only support him because he hints at a rhetoric that you believe in with every fiber of your soul. Because of Donald Trump, it makes it okay for you people to come out and be racist and be bigoted towards people of 
color, particularly black and Latino people. Now I'm going to address you guys in my other final thoughts in part two, but let's focus on this final thoughts in my opinion. Donald Trump likes to take credit and say he's he created jobs and the economy is boosting. Uh-uh. Wrong. He's taking credit for things and laws and measures that both George W. Bush Jr., the 43rd president, and Barack Obama, the 44th president, put in place to come to fruition long after those two had left office. You publicly disrespect veterans. You gut the budget for our educational process. You you want to repeal but not replace universal health care. You go after our social security. You want to know why? Because none of these things affect him or his immediate family. And he makes every situation about him. To you, Donald Trump, I say this. You, sir, are the typical narcissistic megalomaniac. I repeat, you are a narcissistic megalomaniac. You single-handedly turned the presidential artist, the presidential office, into a bad reality TV show, one of your reality TV shows. You made our you made our political process, our election process, a three-ring circus, and you the ringmaster. You made the title of President of the United States. You diminished the prestige of that title. You turned the highest office in the land into a joke. I never thought I'd see the day. But it's not you I blame, Donald Trump. It is not you I blame. I blame the bigoted, underhanded leeches in office that we, in Congress, that we the people consistently put back in office because we don't vote the right way and the reason why we don't vote the right way is because we have no clue who these people are because of their bigotry and hatred for your predecessor the same man that you disrespected consistently for 8 years they they single handedly and invertedly created you Donald Trump because they made it okay for you you Donald Trump to come out and be the way you are. And honestly, the reason why I can't call you my president, because you carry yourself like a third grade schoolyard bully. And being that I have been bullied in school, I know a bully when I see one. And the reason why you are so comfortable disrespecting people, the reason why you are so comfortable being a megalomaniac, narcissistic person, is because you've never been humbled. You have never, you are uncoofed. And in that part, I don't, once again, they say money is the root of all evil. Your money is the reason you are the way you are. And you don't have, once upon a time, you'd have had my envy. But now you have my pity. Because all you have is money. You have nothing else. And the reason why you hate your predecessor, Barack Hussein Obama, because he is the two things that you will never be. He is respected, number one. And number two, he has the one thing that your money, no matter how much money you have, you can never buy it. Class. Because as far as I'm concerned, you're a classist, you are a classless, low down, no good, I don't even know the words to define you, sir. And then you had the nerve to disrespect one of our veterans, a war hero. And you draw and you dodged the draft, but we're gonna talk about that in part two. Now, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned for part two of Trump the first four years as president. Because we're gonna talk about everything that happened 
from 2018, 19 to 20. From him going after our congresswomen, right up to that beautiful word we've been waiting to say, the impeachment. Until next time, people, rage against the machine, love, peace, and chicken grease, deuces.